we've been on a, on a Christmas series here the past couple of weeks that, uh, as I mentioned earlier this morning to those that join us every week in prayer, uh, Pastor Dan, who serves as one of our executive pastors on the team, uh, I've entrusted the Christmas series or the December series to him every year. And, uh, and, and he's done just a fabulous job engineering and orchestrating uh, many of the elements uh, that have come forth. He, he's really the one who sets the targets and the compass for this series. And uh, for those of you who are here with us today for the first time and missed the past couple of weeks, I'll just, I'll just fill you in very, very quickly. Uh, our series is called An Antioch Family Christmas. And we began two weeks ago talking about what is family and why is it important. And essentially the bullet point there that we wanted to communicate was that the birth of Jesus, of which Christmas is designed to celebrate and honor. The birth of Jesus is the advent of the family of God. The birth of Jesus makes the family of God possible. God sent his son, his only son, his firstborn son to come so that he could purchase back mankind to be restored back into family with him. Last week, David did such an outstanding job talking about the blessings that come within family. There are blessings we believe that happen only within the context of family, both nuclear family, physical family, and spiritual family. There are certain blessings that are actually reserved for the family. And he just did such an amazing job talking about the blessing of identity, why that's important, what that is, what that does to us, how identity comes within family. Families help identify us for positive, for negative, for better or for worse. Families establish identity. Physical families do that. Spiritual families do that. There is an identity that is coming to you as you're a part of Antioch Church. He also talked about the fact that families teach us responsibility. In other words, he said, I love the way that he phrased this. He said that families help us view ourselves appropriately. And then he said, the way that we view ourselves affects the decisions that we make. Out of our identity comes responsible choices. Out of our identity as sons and daughters comes the ability to choose life. We are empowered to choose life out of the strength of identity that God has put inside of us. And then he said that within the context of family, God also brings inheritance or he brings legacy. Great choices lead to great legacy. Great, great message. Today, I'm gonna to talk about not just the blessings that come from within family, not just the blessings of family. We're gonna talk about the blessings that flow through family. We're gonna talk about the blessings that come from family. And I wanna turn our attention here to, uh, to a young family in the scripture uh, that we're gonna draw our points of understanding from. So if you would, go with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter one. And we're gonna look at a family that brought Jesus to the world. And as I thought about that phrase, a family that brought Jesus to the world, what occurred to me is that every family was designed to bring Jesus to the world. Your family, both physically and spiritually, was designed in the heart of God to bring Jesus to the world. In a few days, you're gonna be gathering with your family. You may be traveling or you may have family come with you. And that may not just be blood related family, it might be people that you open your heart to, to welcome into your life and to welcome into your family. And friend, you, you, are, you are commissioned, you are actually empowered to bring Jesus to the people that are around you. 
There is a unique avenue that we have as families to bring Jesus into situations in a way that is actually even more unique than bringing Christ as individuals. How many of you have ever been in a situation, whether it be on a mission team or whether it be going out with a friend and, uh, and you've witnessed with the strength of someone else with you? I don't know what your experience has been, but I feel so emboldened when, whenever I find myself in spiritual conversations, but I'm, I'm, I'm with an ally or I'm, I'm with a friend or I'm, I'm with a family. And that's because that family actually is an empowering force to bring Jesus to the earth. I want us to read a few verses together and then I'm gonna back up and I'm gonna extract some thoughts from these verses. We're gonna begin in Matthew chapter one and I'm gonna start with verse one. We're gonna skip a lot of the names uh, for the sake of time and for the sake of uh, my insecurity on pronunciation. <laughs> so let's begin in verse one, chapter one, verse one. And if you're new to the scriptures today or you're new, you're new to the idea of church and Christianity, what an incredible place to start today. This, this gives us a, a little bit of a historical frame of reference for what we're gonna be talking about. Verse one says, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So very simply, uh, we're beginning our story in the New Testament by talking about physically the bloodline of how Jesus came to the earth. Jesus being fully man, so he had a physical bloodline, but he was fully God, so he had a spiritual bloodline that he came to the earth from. Then begins in verse two and it says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And we're just gonna stop right there and I'm gonna fast forward. What, what happens is we, we just go through essentially 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David uh, to captivity and then 14 generations from captivity to Jesus. And so do the math in your head, but uh, a lot of generations there. And uh, like Alinthia said this morning, I so love what Alinthia said. We read this today in pre-service prayer. And she says, when I read this, I see that we are connected to something bigger than ourselves, that we belong to this family. This is our legacy. This is our lineage. This is our bloodline and we belong to it. Isn't that awesome? It's true. Let's pick up the story here at verse 16. We're ending this genealogy and it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is also called Christ. Some translations say the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon and 14 from the exile to the Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name Jesus. 
All right, let's begin here at verse 16 and 17. And uh, just a couple of thoughts for us to chew on as we wrap up our series about the blessings that flow through family. As I look at this family, the, the literal family through which Jesus came to the earth, I see a couple of points. Number one, as we look at the genealogy, I see that Mary and Joseph were connected to what I'm gonna call a redemptive story. We just say that with me, say redemptive story. Every single one of us has a redemptive story. Your family has a redemptive story. Mary and Joseph's family had a redemptive story. And you know, when you look at Mary and Joseph's family line, there are some pretty um, colorful characters in that bloodline. In fact, if you're new to the scriptures, I'm just gonna point a couple of these out to you. Um, I don't wanna go into a too much commentary, but look at verse three. It says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother, whose mother was Tamar. Now, if you don't know anything about Tamar, long story short, Tamar essentially tricked her father-in-law into having relations with her because her husband who had passed away, who was a son of Judah, didn't bear her children. And then what happened was Judah's brothers ended up having relations with Tamar, but not giving her children. And then, and then Judah himself promised and broke a promise. And here we have this, this, this daughter-in-law who tricks and deceives her father-in-law so that she can have children. And here she is, she's a part of the story of Joseph and Mary. Let's, let's just keep reading here. Let's take a look at verse five. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Anybody know who Rahab is here? Uh, without, without getting into a lot of graphic language, let's just say that um, um, Rahab just was making some poor choices. <laughs> Moving right along. Read the story. All right, let's, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at verse six. And Jesse, the father of David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Like they can't even say her name. Now, if you know anything about the scriptures, you know that David, who was king, who was known as a man after God's own heart, who was known as the beloved of Israel. In fact, the way that the scriptures describe David and every king thereafter, they're always comparing every king in the scriptures to David. And they're essentially saying one way or the other, this guy was as good as David or this guy was not as good as David. He was the standard of kingship throughout all of Israel. But we also find that David made a really big, really big mistake. He murdered one of his chief generals so that he could still his wife. That's in Jesus's bloodline. That's in Jesus's bloodline. Um, why don't you just push pause right here and let, let me show you a verse that's so, so encouraging. Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews chapter two. This has become one of, perhaps one of my favorite verses as it relates particularly to Jesus's genealogy. We're gonna look at Hebrews chapter two. We're gonna focus in on verse 11. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter two. The scripture says, both the one who makes men holy. Now, who is that? Okay. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are being made holy. And who's that? It's us. We are of the same family. 
God just doesn't call us his subjects, his servants, his army. He doesn't call us that. He says, though the one who is making people holy and those filthy, rotten scoundrels who are being made holy, we're the same family. Now, if we had time to sit down and and tell stories at our tables about all the colorful characters and the idiosyncrasies of certain aunts and uncles, and uh, we'd probably have a a roaring time talking about different family members and what they bring to the table. Guys, that's the script, you know, the script, we're we're not talking about these like fairy tale characters. We're talking about real people and, and they had flaws. And you may even look at your own life and you may think that you're disqualified to be a blessing to the world because of your flaws or the flaws of a family member or the flaws of a father or the flaws of a mother. But friend, I want you to know this morning that you have a redemptive story. And no matter what has happened in your life or what has not happened, all of that can be leveraged to bring the activity and the perspective of God into the earth. And my, my question that I'm wrestling with, I'm in the yoke of this question. I'm asking myself now, how am I leveraging the redemptive story of my family for the sake of bringing Christ into the world? You know, if, if you had time to sit down with Edwin and Betty and, and they could talk with you about the past 35 years of, of marriage and the 35 years of raising three incredible kids, sometimes these guys look back and, and they look at our grandkids or their grandkids, they look at their grandkids of which they have, what is it now, 13 grandkids, I believe? 13 incredible, beautiful grandkids. Sometimes they just, they look at their grandkids and I see it on their face and they're just overwhelmed with such joy and honor and awe and humility. And what, 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 I, what I'm reading in between the lines sometimes is that they just look at that and they can't help but think of the blessing and the goodness of God because it wasn't always easy. The redemptive nature of God working in families gives you a story to tell. Friend, let me just say this. You have a story to tell. God has been good to you. Listen, even in the midst of your struggle, you have a redemptive story to tell. Even in the midst of mistakes, your mistakes do not disqualify you from being in the lineage of God and sharing a redemptive story. Another way of saying this is you have a testimony. And family testimonies should be and could be leveraged. The best way that you can share Christ, the best way your family can bring Christ into the world is through your family testimony. As I look back on my journey and I think about a mom who, who prayed for me every day and I think about a mom who prayed late into the night watches and as a young boy, uh, being at some of those all night prayer meetings, that's part of my redemptive story. As I think back at some of the wrong decisions that I made and I think back at how God preserved me in spite of those wrong decisions, that's a part of my redemptive story. As I think about an old wooden altar where I recommitted my life to the Lord and wept before the Lord for two hours straight and arose a different man. That's a part of my redemptive story. As I think about the woman I married, as I think about God calling into the nations, as I think about my journey here at Antioch and previously freedom, it's a part of my redemptive story. Friend, you have a testimony to be leveraged for the glory of God to bring Christ to the world. Now let's keep reading here. Something else I find very, very interesting, and you might have to read between the lines a little bit here. But let's look at verse 18. This is how the birth 
of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. All right, the second thing I wanna talk about that is existing within your family right now is a family culture. Every family has a culture. There was something about Joseph as I read on this and thought about this, prayed on this, meditated on this. I was honing in on who Joseph was. And I thought about what would it be like if Christy came to me and I started saying, putting on a little weight there, babe, how's it going? Like, uh, I mean, imagine what's going through Joseph's head. No ultrasounds, no, no, all this stuff. And then she comes and she's like, hey, listen, uh, I know this sounds really, really weird. Please don't stone me yet. But um, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> I mean, in his mind, he's like, is that Zachariah? Is it Judas? Is it Judah? Is it who? He's thinking all these guys, probably thinking back to the last, you know, time. He's going, I mean, Kind of put yourself in that situation, guys. Think about this, right? Never in the course of history prior or after has this ever taken place. We're talking about a benchmark breakthrough pioneer moment and he's the man who has to walk this out. But here's what the scripture says. It says he was a righteous man. I don't think it's coincidental that when God was looking through the earth to find a family through whom to bring his son into the world through, I don't think it's a coincidence that he found a righteous family and a righteous man. And that got me thinking a little bit about the blessing of righteousness that your family can bring to the earth. Your family has a culture. Fathers, you primarily set the tone and the temperature for the culture within your family, primarily. We are responsible, Our ch my children, they respond differently to me than they respond to Christy. It's not taking away from who Christy is, it, it, it just simply speaks to the design that God has for men within the home. And God, when he was looking for a man through whom to put his son into the earth through, he found a righteous man who built a righteous culture into his home. How do we build family cultures? It's very, very simple. Culture is a byproduct of convictions that have been lived out consistently over time. Well, how do you build a conviction? Convictions are the product of values that have been lived out consistently over time. And watch this, and through adversity. You wanna talk about some adversity? Joseph had some adversity and he had to choose, am I gonna to choose to remain righteous in the midst of the greatest potential fraud in the face of the earth? My wife just said that, she, that God put a baby inside of her belly. Jesus grew up in a righteous home. A, a righteous family brought Jesus into the earth. And here's how I know this, because in the midst of this great difficulty, Joseph chose his conviction to remain righteous. Now, I was thinking about the blessing of righteousness and let me just read a couple of verses here to you without getting too much off track. Psalm 55, 22. You don't necessarily have to turn there if you don't want, you can write this down, but it says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 
Moms and dads, you know, we have, we have the incredible honor and we have the incredible privilege of building such depth of strength into our children who can be oaks of righteousness and pillars of God in a changing culture. Listen, the only thing that's really static and dependable on the, in the world is this, that everything will change. But here's what the scripture says, he will never permit the righteous to be moved. I've, I've been in youth ministry for years, still have a heart and a passion for children and for youth and young adults. And, and when I look at the pressure that faces our children to remain unshakable, do you know that that is a blessing that we can give to our kids? It is a blessing to remain faithful and solid and steadfast and unwavering in the midst of peer pressure, in the midst of cultural pressure. A blessing that families of righteousness give to the earth is raising up children that remain steadfast in the midst of cultural pressure. Friends, that's something that we can give to the earth. Your family has a culture. What kind of culture are we building? You know, when I, th when I thought about this, I, I thought about a number of families here in Antioch. And the first family that came to my mind was actually my, my brother and sister-in-law. When I think about a godly family, when I think about a family that's building a kingdom culture into their children who remain steadfast and unshakable in the earth, you know, my knees competed in, in, in speech and has, has competed in, in, uh, against um, other competitors around the state. And the, and the speeches that she chooses to write and the speeches that she chooses to give are, are kingdom speeches. You know, that doesn't just happen. You can't force a child to do that against their will and against their conviction. But when you raise a family in the, in the culture of righteousness, they can remain steadfast and unmoved in the midst of cultural pressure. And that is a blessing to the world. You know, every night when they get together for dinner, they have a book and it's called uh, Stories of Faith, Profiles in Faith. And Profiles in Faith, very simply, uh, uh, they're, they're short two to three page snippets, almost like mini biographies of the lives of missionaries. Hudson Taylor, uh, Jim Elliott, on and on it goes. And they sit down as a family and you look at the book and it's, it's, it's tattered and it's been worn because for, for years on a daily basis before they sit down to eat dinner or over dinner, they read that. And I've been the recipient of that. I've received the blessing of that every Christmas and every Thanksgiving. In fact, this past Thanksgiving, we, we, we had some family members come in uh, from out of town part of Edwin's side of the family, uh, of which we're not sure that they know Christ. But let me show you the power of family culture. You know, uh, here, here we are at this huge table. All the food's been cooking all day long. Everything's being prepared. And uh, in, in any, other, any other time, any other family, any other place, it could just be a time just to eat and, and enjoy and have fun. But when you build a kingdom culture into your home, there are, the gospel abounds. And so we sit down and without, without any, any, any shame or without being abashed at all, Carmen just sits and she says, she says listen, you know, I, we're so glad uh, that you guys are here with us for Thanksgiving, but this is something that we do as a family. Now, no one's gonna refute that. No one's gonna argue that. Listen, the greatest platform that you have is inviting the world into the strength of the culture of your home. 
and just inviting them into what real life looks like in a kingdom family. And so Carmen just picks out, strategically picks out a story, uh, a story that would mean something to them, a story that would mean something to the moment. She reads the story and then we pray and we thank God for his goodness and his blessings. Friend, listen, those are the seeds of the kingdom that we sprinkle into the hearts of people that we bring into the blessing that flows from kingdom families. I remember as a young man, there were times when I would spend the night at Pastor Scott and Marcia's house. Many of you know Pastor Scott and Marcia now. They've been spiritual parents in my life for 20 years. And I remember as a young man at 16 and 17 years old going to their house and being invited into their family culture where they would put their two boys down every night. They'd pray for them. They, 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 would, they would talk with them. They would talk about the day. They would talk about spiritual things. You know, we do that Harrison Baker, Great to see you, son. So love you. Give Harrison a hand. Miss you. Home from Baylor. <clears throat> love you. And now something that I do with my children, something that Christy and I do on a daily basis, we sit down with our children, we listen, we talk about the day, we talk about spiritual things, and we pray with them because I was invited into that culture through a family. I think about Mark and Isela Irwin. Are Mark and Isela here today? Mark and Isela Irwin, perhaps some of the most generous, some of the most sacrificial, some of the most uh, service-oriented, mercy-directed people that I think I've ever met in my life. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, um, I saw somebody posted on Facebook. said, I'm, I'm looking for someone who can um, help my son get to work. And uh, I was about to call this person. I, I saw who was posted from, I was about to text him and say, I can do this. Well, I, I, I walked through the thread and here's Isela Irwin. Hey, I can do it. I'll swing by and I'll pick him up. And I thought, you beat me to it. <laughs> here's why, because they have built a family culture of generosity, of serving, of giving, of being aware. In fact, what was it just, just a week ago? A little sickness came upon the house and, uh, and Christy and I were just feeling so under the weather. The past three months have just been brutal for the family. And, um, and to, be, to be honest, we, we had probably gotten to about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And moms, you know what this feels like when uh, you haven't laid food out and you're running through all the creative dishes that you can create with the little bit of leftovers and other spare things that are in the house. And uh, I don't know if, Christy, do you post something on Facebook or just families under the weather or what have you? Well, here comes Isela Irwin. She calls and says, hey, would you guys like a big pot of chicken soup? And I think nine times out of 10 in any other situation, I know my wife, she said, oh, no, no, we're fine. And she was like, yes, please. And I'm here to tell you that was some of the best chicken soup, you know, a family culture. And we were recipients of that blessing. I'm sure if you could think about the different families that you've interacted with in Antioch and other, and other spiritual families that you're connected to, you could probably go on and tell me stories about, about families that you became the recipient of blessing being a part of their habits, being a part of their routines. And here's the question that I'm wrestling with. And here's a question I wanna invite you into. How are you leveraging your family culture to bring Jesus to the world? You know, in Genesis chapter 12, we find a very interesting story. We find a story and we, we, we hear this man's name, Abraham, who in Matthew's account, Matthew begins Jesus's genealogy with Abraham's name. Well, Abraham is who is known as the father of the faith or the father of the Jews. 
And in Genesis chapter 12, here's what we find out about Abraham, that God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 and he says this, he says, I am gonna bless you, Abraham. At that time, his name was Abram. And he says, Abram, I'm gonna bless you. And this is what he said. He says, not only am I gonna bless you, I'm gonna bless everyone who blesses you, but I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm gonna bless all of the families of the world through you. You see, God's design from the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve and then to Noah and then to Abram and then on and on it goes through all of these families here. God's design has always been to bless the world through families. And one of the primary messages we're trying to communicate is, listen, if your physical, natural, nuclear, biological family isn't something to write home about and there's a lot of pain in that and you look back and go, well, I didn't have that. Listen, listen. You have a spiritual family. God redeems all things. And I believe that his perfect plan is that both through natural families and through spiritual families, that he would bring his kingdom and he would bring his life and he would bring salvation to the earth. Final thought here. Final thought, you guys still with me? All right, Matthew chapter one. And let's, let's take a look again at this story here in verse 20. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is truly in fact, indeed from the Holy Spirit. She's not lying to you. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. It was the father's privilege and responsibility to name the child on that day. Now let's pick up the story here in chapter two. Jesus is born, there's a king, a wicked king at that time. His name is Herod and he, he, uh, he speaks with these wise men. He wants to find out where, uh, where the Christ child is. He wants to find out because he wants to murder the baby because of jealousy and insecurity in his own heart. But look at verse 13. It says, when they had gone, when these wise men left their encounter with Jesus, an angel of the Lord appears again to Joseph in a dream and he says, get up. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Twice, God speaks to Joseph. Twice, Joseph obeys. And here's what we find. We find that Christ is not only named. We find that Christ is not only given identity. We find that not only is the Christ protected and preserved through this man's obedience, but that you and I today are the recipients of salvation because of one man's obedience in the context of his family. And my final submission to you today, church, is that we, are, we become a blessing to the world through our obedience to God. Training our children in a biblical worldview from an early, early age. Training our children on truth, training our children on, on a biblical worldview of purity and relationships, training our children on what it, what it means to hear God's voice for themselves, training our children to stand boldly and courageously in the midst of a world of compromise, training the spiritual family on how to be people of obedience. Listen, the, the church is its strongest when we are our most obedient. Jesus said it like this. He says, guys, guys, I don't do a thing unless I hear my father say it. And the only thing that I do that has any merit at all is out of obedience to my father. Now, moms and dads, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna appeal to you today and very simply, the greatest thing that we can show our children is our own obedience to God. In fact, tying this into your own redemptive story, there are, there are stories about your obedience your children need to hear. 
In fact, there are, there are things that you're going through right now and you're showing yourself obedient to God and your children don't know and you need to let them know, son, this is why daddy's doing this. I'm being obedient to God. You need to know that we're doing a family fast because we are being obedient to the father. Daddy, why do you give money? I give my money out of obedience and love to the Lord. Why are we opening our homes? We're doing it out of obedience to God. Why am I going out of my way to help this, this person? Out of obedience to God. And we build inside of them what should be natural. A life of Christianity is a life of obedience and a life of obedience is a blessing to the world. Friends, I believe that Antioch Church is designed by God to be a family that brings Jesus to the world. Spiritually, we have a redemptive story. It's had some difficult times. Had some moments in our history where we didn't know we were gonna make it. Guys, we're still here. We've got a redemptive story. I would gladly share, not only the gospel, I would gladly share in, in all glory to God, our full history so that people in our journey, see the faithfulness of God. Not only do we have a redemptive story, friends, we have a culture. We talked about that the past few weeks. We have a, we're, we, we, part of our DNA is the kingdom and, and the fivefold and, and worship and all of these things. Listen, those aren't good messages. Those are things that we want to be so deeply inculcated that they're just like breathing. There are things that my children, they'll never know otherwise because they've been so deeply entrenched into a particular family culture. I remember having conversations with staff and we'd go around and around, this is years ago, when we would talk about, um, you know, there's always this tension within the church world about um, how deep of the waters should we make uh, for people that don't know Christ. And there's just this constant, there's people on both sides of the argument. And, and here's, here's, here's my position. I say this, and I've said this for many, many years. I say, listen, in Africa, when a person gives their life to the Lord, and they immediately get baptized into four-hour services and two-hour worship sets and a fire-breathing preacher, I said, they don't know otherwise. That, that, that's all they know. And you know, I just believe that because I believe that this is to be a soul winning house and I believe with all of my heart that when people start giving their lives to Christ and they experience sonship and they experience authentic community and they experience the flow of God through mothers and fathers and they, 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 they experience the, the message of the kingdom and they experience authentic, passionate worship, they won't know otherwise and this will be normal to them because every family has a culture. And we want our culture to be a culture that not only blesses the family, but the culture that looks out and blesses the world. And finally, just as natural families raise children in obedience and model obedience, we wanna be a family that models obedience to the world. The blessings of family the blessings that come from family. Let me just say something that my pastor in Tulsa would say to us all the time. You are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, as Antioch Church, as this family of God, we, we thank you for the grace and the empowerment of the Lord that is upon us. We thank you for the redemptive story, both biblically of how you brought Christ into the earth. And we thank you for our redemptive story over the past 20 years of how you brought us to this place and time. We're so humbled in God, we are so grateful. And I'm asking you today that, that Father, that 
and you can only do this by your spirit, but I'm asking you today that you would up the ante in our hearts of how as a natural families and as a spiritual family, how we can leverage our redemptive story to bring Christ into more people's worlds. To be a blessing to more people, God, I'm asking you today that um, in the same way that Joseph built a culture of righteousness in his family, Father, I'm praying for our families to be cultures of righteousness and cultures of life. I'm praying for the culture of the kingdom to be built in every family in Antioch. And I'm praying the culture of the kingdom within Antioch would be strong, that people will be swept into this culture of the kingdom. And finally, Lord, I'm praying that you would give us the grace of obedience, that obedience would be our delight and obedience would be our joy and obedience would not be a drudgerous sacrifice. Lord, obedience would be our greatest gift and that it would become attractive and contagious to the world. Teach us how to leverage our obedience to bring Christ into the world. I bless you, Antioch, best church on the planet. Love you so dearly. I wish you a merry, 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 Christ-filled, spirit-empowered Christmas with healing and life in your homes. And upon our time today, let it be rich. Friends, listen, it begins here. If, if you know, if there's people...